0: listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and podcasting on Spotify and iTunes. I'm Kareem Mosna. This week on the stoop.
1: All other developers across the province can use our example of filling in a provincially significant wetland as a precedent for them to do so also. I don't want to be any part of such a precedent. Kingston will not be able to be taken seriously as an environmental leader. All other cities would be able to joke, yes, but come on, you were the first city to fill in a PSW and get away with it. That is not a reputation I want Kingston to have.
0: Kingston City Council rejected J. Patry Enterprises' proposal for condo development on the former Davis Tannery lands at last Tuesday's meeting. The application had also called for a minister's zoning order, which would have meant amendments to the city's official plan and zoning bylaws to allow development on this land. Let's first hear from Councillor Jim Neal.
2: This has been, become not just a Kingston issue. Uh, David Suzuki is on record for opposing the idea of of this. Elizabeth May, the former and soon to be uh, current leader of the Green Party, has spoken out against this. Uh, doc- Dr. Rooney, who's a wetland specialist, spoke out against it. Sister Laverley spoke against it. Dr. Hill as we already heard today, spoke against it. Um, So we have, I I guess that's the problem with experts, is we can always find experts to support our point of view. And it's unfortunate, that's an unfortunate uh, point that I'm making, but it's truthful. And I would trust David Suzuki Elizabeth May, Dr. Rooney, Sister Laverly, uh, Dr. Hill. I would trust all of them before I trusted the statistics that are being brought to us by the proponent.
0: Now let's hear from Councillor Lisa Osanic.
1: We, Kingston, Ontario, Canada. We need every every forest and every species that lives in a forest that we can to survive to fight climate change. My most disturbing point, um, like in this development application, is that is asking us to use a minister's zoning order to override the provincial policy statement. The PPS in section 2.1.3 prohibits the development and site alteration in significant wetlands in ecoregion Region 60, which is Kingston. Yet this application is actually filling in the significant wetland. The applicant's team says that the wetland is going to be cleaned up. It's just simply not true. What's actually really happening is that a bulldozer is going to be filling in the wetland with piles of dirt so that there's going to be ground stable enough to support phase four, which is the high, like the fourth high rise and row of townhomes. There's not going to be any wetland left in phase four. MNR does not endorse this application because filling in a provincially significant wetland is precedent setting. All other developers across the province can use our example of filling in a provincially significant wetland as a precedent for them to do so also. I don't want to be any part of such a precedent. Kingston would not be able to be taken seriously as an environmental leader. All other cities would be able to joke, yes, but come on, you were the first city to fill in a PSW and get away with it. That is not a reputation I want Kingston to have. As part of this plan, the applicants propose to provide a new wetland somewhere else. The somewhere else hasn't even been decided on. Research by Ontario Nature says that trying to make a new wetland somewhere else most often fails. Um, Councillors Hutchison and I—we tried to compromise. By the way, we we said you know like we tried to have the applicant save the wetline, save the wetland by building three taller buildings so that you could still have the same number of units, but you know spare the wetland, um, you know by just having the three buildings. We also tried to provide a buffer around the 200-year-old oak tree by making the Central Park a little bit more narrow, push the uh, um, phase one and Two further north, which is would be away from the oak tree to the south. But regardless, thirty no, seconds. the final plan before us tonight still fills in the wetland and cuts down all the trees. This development is high risk. The remediation plan is at this point very high level. It doesn't give me confidence that the river will be kept clean and that there will be no unforeseen circumstances. Thank you.
3: Mayor Brian Patterson had asked council to support the project want to be able to look people in the eye when they say that the biggest issue is housing and what are you doing to help with housing i want to be able to tell them i've done everything that i can do and so my vote tonight will be to vote yes to that housing all of you can vote whatever you feel, whatever way you feel you should But I'm confident that this is a plan that has, A, been signed off by every reviewing agency, the CRCA, Parks Canada. These are not experts that have any financial interest in the development at all. And yes, it will require trees to be cut down, but those trees can be replanted. Trees can be replanted. People can't. And if we say no to this, we're going to have to cut down trees elsewhere. So we should talk about what other habitat then would we lose by having to move this sort of a development further out, which in turn is not good for our climate action goals. This has been discussed for four years. There have been several redesigns of this project. At this point, this is a project that I believe needs to be supported. We can't say that housing is a priority and then say no to a project like this. So I'm asking Council to support it. Councillor Gary Oosterhof.
4: And now we are presented with a rare opportunity to clean it up once and for all in concert with uh, all levels of government. This is the time to clean up the inner harbour as well. I completely understand our commitment to our declaration of a climate change emergency. The opposition to this development file before us tonight is not the hill to die on. It is not the case... For a b- best example of a significant biodiverse location or wetlands protection, to state this is highly that this area is highly functioning. It to me is ridiculous. The area around the tannery is not pristine forest. This area is scrubland and bush and ought to be considered so. It is important to separate forest from the trees. I have walked there and it is dangerous just to walk there. It's it's simply not um, what we're calling it to be. If one thing, if one thinks this development should be stop for reasons to save humanity I absolutely share your end goals but the time is now to do something about the past and heal the earth once and for all the earth is crying out for help here the abuse has been horrific here we have an opportunity to be part of of a land and water cleanup that should make us proud it is important to see or envision positive and realistic end results where both people and environment win. Saying no to this opportunity to clean up the past will mean another hundred years of desolate woodland and grotesque scars of the past. We live in a time where our housing needs are at a critical moment. This development does meet the present, does does meet the present needs of our city and reflects that in its housing opportunity. I have grown up in the outdoors. I too listen to trees. I listen to water and the wind, and I know what it, I feel inside when I'm outside. Birds have always been a powerful part of my life. And our relationship with um, uh, them and humans, it's a special and precise relationship. The area, This area of trees is not pristine forest. It is scorched earth. It is true that this great planet is unbelievably capable of healing itself. And miraculously, the wonder of a rebounding environment is significant. Significantly documented and recorded. The toxicity of this land baffles the mind, is beyond natural remission. This staggering presence of thousands of pollutants renders this area uninhabitable. And often even unsafe to walk. To be swayed by the narrative we have heard over the past months as we have is a failure to see reality. The land will not heal on its own. We owe it. We don't need another hydrological study. We absolutely do know how the water flows above and below the surface at this location. Every level of government is poised and positioned to contribute to the challenge to clean up the past at this location. We are preparing a way forward putting a reasonable and scientific and sustainable solution together. And we are considering saying no. Tens of millions of dollars are being allocated to this revitalization. We can use success stories like the Sudbury Sudbury River and many others to see the powerful positive opportunity we have here tonight. In closing, I ask that we do consider a positive outcome here in improving this development. Future generations depend on it.
0: Some audio from last Tuesday night's Kingston City Council meeting. City Council ultimately rejected... Patry's proposal to uh, build condos on the former Davis tannery lands. Now, president of J. Patry Enterprises, Jay Patry, said in a release, the decision is extremely disappointing, particularly where we are in a housing crisis and had worked hard to cooperate with staff in the community. With council's rejection of staff's recommendation, we will have no choice but to appeal to the Ontario Land Tribunal. This decision of council will directly increase the cost of these residential units and has a direct impact on housing affordability in Kingston. The proposal included four buildings and 1,670 residential units. You're listening to The Stoop on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and podcasting through Spotify and iTunes. I'm Kareem Mosna. Plans for a farmer training program were officially unveiled on Friday. The Kingston Region Community Training Farm Project is running on Collins Bay Institution lands. Nonprofit organization Loving Spoonful, in partnership with St. Lawrence College, are training participants to work on farms or to start their own farms. I spoke with food system manager with the Loving Spoonful, Ayla Fenton, to find out what participants will learn and the broader impact this training farm project will have on the community. So, just maybe, just describe love, how Loving Spoonful is running this program.
5: Sure. So, Loving Spoonful is the operating partner in okay. this uh, in this project. So, we're the ones actually running the day to day operations of the farm and providing the training for the participants, uh, the on farm training of the participants. Um, so, we have been responsible for like setting up the whole, all of the infrastructure here. And uh, myself and my colleague Zoe are the ones that. Um, are here three days a week with our 30 participants and, and actually doing all of the work to grow this and, and training people as we go.
0: How does this fit into Loving Spoonful's broader mission?
5: Yeah, so we are, our mission is around building food sovereignty in Kingston. So what that means is uh, that we are looking to build a more resilient and sustainable and just food system. Um, So a big part of that is increasing the amount of food that's grown here locally in in and around Kingston. So we work a lot with local farmers uh, in the countryside around Kingston and we know from them that the biggest barrier to expanding their operations and to expanding the amount of food that they grow is the lack of skilled labour. So this fills a really important gap there in helping to train people um, to move on to working on those farms. Um, But it also fills a really important goal that we have which is to actually increase the amount of food that's grown in the urban area um all of the food that's produced here is being distributed through our local food access programs so you know the the, the other big part of loving spoonful's mission is to increase access uh, dignified access to good food for anybody who needs it um so all of this food is distributed for free um through our, our local food access programs
0: excellent so really the it, it yes it provides employment opportunities as we've talked about but it's also um Really vital to our local, uh, to people here locally, so to to address food insecurity issues uh, and the environment too, right, in that sense. Yeah,
5: Mm yeah, yeah, absolutely. Having a space um, to be able to provide demonstration of urban agriculture being possible on this kind of a scale, like the city of Kingston has a really unique opportunity, I think, around urban agriculture in that we actually have a lot of vacant land in this city. It's not a very dense city. Um, And so there are opportunities for growing and producing food like almost everywhere so we have other programs where we work with home gardeners and community gardeners and all different scales of operation but this is kind of the next step for us is to be able to demonstrate this like larger scale like more commercial scale of food production right in the city
0: so describe what it would be like so someone who, who's coming in to to begin maybe they haven't had experience doing this before what, what, what would their what would it be like for them
5: yeah so all of our participants uh attend the farm one morning a week so we run the program tuesday wednesday thursday each participant comes one day of the week um for a three-hour training session we started with the participants at the beginning of july so at the beginning of july this was an empty field (laughs) and we have worked with them to build the farm from the ground up so i think that's actually been a really valuable experience for people is seeing like right from scratch how to build a farm Hmm. from nothing um but they learn all of the hands-on skills associated with like small scale market gardening so bed preparation planting seeding harvesting weeding um, all of those things Um, and then we've also been providing uh, every two weeks roughly we do a tour to another farm in the Kingston area so an actual commercial farm somewhere in the countryside we take a school bus and we all go out there and check out what they've got going on Um, so the participants have been able to be exposed to a diversity of operations not just vegetable farming.
0: This is really a hands-on, but also, I assume it's also a bit of theory knowledge too. So really, it's like taking a course.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've definitely tried to structure it so that we're hitting all of the kind of key skills that an employer would be looking for Mm -hmm. in in a farm worker or, you know, that somebody would need if they wanted to start up their own farm. So... Later in the fall we're also hoping to have more conversations about some of the background side of things like crop planning and understanding soil health and some of the theoretical frameworks um, in addition to the, just the hands-on like labor parts of things. Yeah.
0: Great and, and what are your ultimate hopes for this project?
5: Yeah. So this this project right now is um, just a pilot project. So we have one year of funding for to run this six month training program, and then hopefully place all of these participants on uh, with with paid job placements starting in the spring. But the city is working. The city has been immensely supportive of this project. They are really prioritizing that, and and we're really grateful for their support. So the city is working with us to secure ongoing funding. Mm. Um, we're looking into various various sources, but we do want to keep running this type of a training program. But we are also looking at longer term expanding to offer uh, more of like a farm business incubator model, which would be where, you know, we have this central farm, but then uh, people who are actually getting ready to like want to start their own farm business could access a plot of land and access to shared shared infrastructure and, and equipment and stuff like that in order to like kickstart their own, their own farm business. Um, So that's kind of the long-term vision, is to actually be able to not just be training farm workers, but also supporting more uh, people in actually starting farm business operations.
0: Food Systems Manager with Loving Spoonful, Ayla Fenton, telling us more about the Kingston and Region Community Training Farm Project. Now let's find out how St. Lawrence College is involved with the project and who is eligible to participate. Dr. John Conrad is the Director of Innovation and Business Engagement at St. Lawrence College. But tell me, uh, basically, in a nutshell, how St. Lawrence is making this happen.
6: Uh, our part of this project is to work focus on uh, skill development outside of farming, that tangential skills. So we will be using some of our skills training. So we're, our job is to sort of look at carpentry skills, electrical skills, small engine repair, irrigation repair. <laughs> and say, well, how can we help these participants learn those sort of mechanical and technical skills that support the operation of running a farm or working on a farm? Um, So that's the one element, and we'll be using our mobile uh, training trailers for that, and we've got equipment... Um, to, to be able to do that, we'll bring in our own instructors to help do that. We'll make it very applied. So it'll all be contextualized. So for, you know, the carpentry, it'll be trying to look at saying, well, how do you build and, you know, what kinds of things will you need on a farm, what kind of carpentry skills, and, and do that that sort of thing. The second part is really around the mental health and wellness for farmers. So, you know, farming is a, a unpredictable uh, challenging vocation um because there's so many variables that aren't in the control of the farmer that causes all kinds of challenges for for their families and themselves so we thought it'd be valuable to have the the people going into the program to have a sense of what kinds of things they can do to care for themselves and care for the people that they're working with um Um, So we're building a micro-credential. It will be a a standalone. People will be able to go in and go through the the learning on their own at a self-paced, self-directed, and at the end of it receive a micro-credential, hopefully giving them some foundational uh, understanding of what what kinds of things they can do for self-care, but also pointing them in the direction of additional resources and supports to, to help them.
0: And who would be eligible for
6: this? Um, so the, partic- the things that we're doing within this program are the same participants that are that are part of the larger program. So, um, you know, the ministry when we apply uh, sets out the conditions of of who's eligible. So, Canadian citizens, uh, Ontario residents, uh, with a focus on looking at those uh, uh, individuals that have barriers to to employment. Um, so. The projects that we're doing the mental health and wellness after the life of the project it will be something that's available through the city um, um and so there'll be other you know there is some legacy to these things beyond the life of this particular project on some of the materials and, and projects that we're creating i
0: mean it sounds like it'll be beneficial to uh, you
6: know to the broader community as well to have this garden here yeah, I, I agree, and I, you know, I hope we're able to, to sort of continue conversations with Corrections Canada. Um, the college already does a lot of workforce development work with Corrections Canada outside of this project, and, and we do things in the agriculture and horticulture space, and, and hopefully we can turn this into something more sustainable uh, after the funding uh, from the province goes away.
0: Dr. John Conrad, Director of Innovation and Business Engagement at St. Lawrence College, telling us about the college's role in the Kingston Region Community Training Farm Project. And now finally, we hear from our mayor, Brian Patterson. Tell me about what led to the making of this new uh,
3: initiative. So as part of our economic development strategy as a city, one of the sectors that we're really focusing on is growing our agricultural sector. Uh, And one of the big barriers right now that uh, we know is there and one of the biggest concerns is, uh, is a lack of workers, a lack of farmers, people that are actually moving into farming with many existing farmers that are retiring. And so I think that the real uh, focus and idea behind this is to be able to train a new generation of farmers that can help contribute to our local food and food security here in the Kingston area.
0: And I mean, even, you know, going forward, even thinking about broader things like the environment as well, I mean, you know, what better than to have locally farmed food available?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, it really comes to our identity as a city, that we are an urban core, but we have a large rural area of the city and then a rural region around that. And so uh, promoting local food makes sense environmentally. It also creates jobs and economic impact. So uh, there's tremendous growth opportunities, but it really does start with encouraging people to start their own farms, going into farm work. And so this is a real vehicle to, to help make that happen.
0: And I understand as well, people participating, you know, perhaps have faced barriers to getting into this this industry or other industries. So this is also that opportunity. But also, if I understand correctly, there's a partnership with Correctional Services, Canada? Uh,
3: Yes, well, Correctional Services has been... uh has been an amazing community partner. They're effectively donating this land for this purpose. Uh, So this is not something that could have happened without their partnership. And, of course, with Loving Spoonful that's helping to operate it, St. Lawrence College that's providing extra skill development. So, I mean, it's a perfect example of the kind of community partnership that allows us to do something really innovative uh, and to meet a, a critical need in the community.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Mayor Brian Patterson commenting on the Kingston Region Community Training Farm Project here on The Scoop. It's Kareem Mosnell on with you on The Scoop, CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and podcasting through Spotify and iTunes. Let's have a look at your weather for this week. Looks like uh, some more showers tonight, risk of a thunderstorm, the low 19. Tomorrow, more showers, risk of a thunderstorm with a high of 21. And the sun returns for Wednesday, the high 24, more sun on Thursday and Friday, and cooler highs of 19 and 20 degrees. Thank you for listening to The Scoop this week on CFRC 101.9 FM, broadcasting from Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee people. You can find previous episodes of The Scoop by going to cfrc.ca.